You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 133. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Paul Vidic, who is an acclaimed spy novelist. He was a senior executive in the entertainment industry for over 20 years. After leaving his business career, he turned to writing full-time. His first novel, An Honorable Man, was a Publishers Weekly Top 10 Mystery and Thriller in 2016 and was followed by The Good Assassin and The Coldest Warrior. His latest novel is The Mercenary, which was published on February 5th. Spy thrillers are one of my favorite genres, so I had a lot of fun talking to Paul about uh, about his writing process, about the Cold War, and a lot more. So stay tuned for that interview coming right up. But first, I want to let you know that I've been uploading exclusive content to my Patreon site for my supporters. I have two tiers of support. Uh, One is uh, geared towards readers uh, who would just like to support the podcast and then the uh, other tier is more geared towards uh, writers. So if you're a writer, you'll probably be very interested in checking that out. Uh, supporters there will be able to download my personal templates that I use to write and outline my books. Uh, you'll also have access to my uh, souped-up word count tracking uh, spreadsheet and also access to uh, member-only videos detailing my uh, current uh, querying process and writing of the uh, new crime thriller that I've been working on. And I'm uh, actually uh, searching for an agent. And so you'll be able to have access uh, to that entire process uh, from behind the scenes. The good, the bad, and the ugly. You'll get to see it all. Uh, so go over to uh, thrillingreads.com slash insider. So you'll be able to be a fly on my wall while supporting the podcast. So I appreciate that. So that's uh, thrillingreads.com slash insider. All right, here's my interview with uh, Paul Vidic. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Alan with Meet the uh, Thriller Author. And uh, for the uh, podcast today, we uh, have uh, Paul Vidic as my guest. Uh, welcome to the podcast, uh, Paul. Uh, happy to have you here. Thank you, Alan. I'm delighted to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and uh, what led you to uh, writing that first book of yours? I had wanted to be a writer for a very long time, pretty much after I got out of college. But um, family intervened. Um, I sort of saw that there wasn't a whole lot of money in writing, <laughs> unless you were really good. And I didn't have the confidence to be really good. So I had a career in business uh, at Time Warner and Warner Music for a fair number of years. And I wrote on the side short stories, um, but made a bargain with myself that when I was financially able to leave my job, um, I would. And that happened when I was about 56. And um, I'd written a number of short stories. Some of them won awards. And one of the agents who um, read a short story reached out to me and said, we love your work, but we don't publish short stories or don't represent short stories. So do you have a novel in mind? And I I looked at my wife. And um, at that time, I didn't have any story that was worthy of a novel. But I did have a family tragedy that had... um, been with uh, the family for a very long time. And it was that tragedy, uh, which involved a, a man by the name of Frank Olson, who was my uncle, who had been in the CIA and then murdered in 1953, um, that became the inspiration for my first novel, An Honorable Man. Oh, wow. So I didn't realize there was a personal connection to, uh, to, your, to that book. Um, and were you always, was that an interest of you? Did you know that he was, uh, that you had a relative in the CIA when you were growing up or did it start later or was there always an interest in that era? Uh, I did. 
there was the family knew nothing about uh, really nothing about the cause of his death, other than he was a bioweapon scientist in um, Fort Detrick, and and that he you know went to New York, jumped out of a window, and his body was brought back, and that's all the family knew for 22 years. It was only then, after a lot of things came out, that it, it, we learned that he had been in the CIA, and I. I, what intrigued me about the, the, the general character of somebody who works in espionage through the sort of association with my uncle is that he lived in this sort of lonely, isolated world where he couldn't talk about his doubts about the work with his wife. And he couldn't talk about his doubts uh, about um, the things that were going on that he was responsible for with colleagues without seeming to be betraying you know, their trust. So he lived in a very lonely world. And, and in fact, that, that's sort of been a theme in, in many of my characters. You're sort of uh, outsiders on the inside, um, struggling with the moral um, implications of some of the work that is required when you're working at the edge of the law. Yeah, I really enjoyed. Um, uh, the, uh, got an advanced copy of the Mercenaries. So thank you, thank you for your publisher <laughs> and you. But uh, like very George Smiley, like that whole feeling of like, um, like you said, we're saying like the isolation and. Um, but anyway, can you tell the story? Uh, can you tell the listeners um, about the Mercenary, about that story, and how that's how it all came together for you? Yeah, after uh, I wrote the Coldest Warrior, the challenge every writer has is so what's next and. Uh, in my case, I had a character, George Mueller, who I liked, um, but I didn't, I didn't want to make each of my stories novels about one character. So in The Mercenary, he's a subsidiary character, and the major character is a uh, sort of a Russian-American mongrel, mm-hmm. <laughs> born in one country, raised in another. Um, but I hit on the story because having grown up in the um, Cold War, I was fascinated by the Soviet Union of the 1980s. Um, it was a dangerous adversary for the United States during my youth, but then it suddenly collapsed you know, like an old consumptive sick man. And it was only afterwards that we began to understand what was going on in the twilight of that country. A lot of money was going into military um, technology, but it was a crumbling economic system. And and in that time, there were a lot of senior KGB officers who were fed up with life in the Soviet Union, were obviously loyal Russians, um, but they defected. And it was a story of one of these defectors, a guy named Adolf Tolkachev, who was a senior radar specialist, who, whose story, when I hit on it, I said, you know, that's an interesting story. Um, his story was really about the attempted exfiltration of this senior KGB officer by the CIA from Moscow, which was a, you know, heavily surveilled city uh, from which no American um, operation has ever, had ever exfiltrated <laughs> senior KGB officer. So I said, oh, that's an interesting story. And then from there, of course, I built, you know, subplots, themes, characters, but it really dealt with, um, you know, that that was the basic premise. 
Yeah, and your books, like your other books are set in the 50s. This one's set in the 80s. Is that something that, um, do you find that as a challenge to write? You know, because, you know, everyone's so used to now with Twitter and Facebook and having a smartphone stuck to their head all the time. Was that a challenge to do that or? You mean to write about something historically? Right, yeah, going back to the history and trying to get get the facts right, you know, and like. Well, I actually find it easier writing in what ends up being a period of my life that may be an historical period for other people. But, yeah. <laughs> but and there are two advantages to it. One is that um, you there aren't too many people who are going to be so familiar with those periods and the specific you know incidents that I'm writing about that they'll correct an error. <laughs> Although I've had a couple of errors corrected for me by very you know. Uh, curious and uh, determined readers. But generally, it, you know, looking backwards over your shoulder, sort of what every writer does when they write a book, um, you have to be able to put some perspective between yourself and the material you're dealing with. And so for me, looking at the Cold War was, you know, in a way I was looking at my, my young, you know, when I was a young man. And I, I knew a lot of the themes, I knew a lot of the sensibilities. Um, but what I've done is marched forward with each of the novels. So the first one was 53, the second 58, the Cuban Revolution. The next one was 1985, uh, 1975, basically, the um, coldest warrior. The one, the mercenary we're talking about, is set in 1985 in the Soviet Union. And the one that's written, but will be a year from now is 1989, which is the fall of the Berlin Wall. So I've sort of creeped forward in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're covering a lot of ground. <laughs> um, so uh, what's your what's your writing process then uh, when you start writing your books? Do you, um, do you have like a big outline? Do you spend a lot of time outlining or do you just start getting an idea and you run with it? Uh, I probably, I start with some idea, something captures my attention. And, and in my case, most of the books are um, based on some historical event or incident, a character, or in the case of the mercenary and exfiltration. And then once I settle on something, and usually it's set, settling on a setting, a place, the place sort of defines why people are there, the dangers inherent in the situation, uh, which is why you see Spy novels set in Moscow and London and Berlin, but you don't see them set in Los Angeles. <laughs> and just, the setting becomes very important to what goes on in the situation. And then I generally do about six months of research on a book before I begin writing. I, I you know, go to the place. I do the equivalent of um, location scouting. Uh, I create dossiers on each of my characters. I want to know, you know, where they were born, you know, what religion they practice. Do they drink? Do they not drink? What sort of clothes they wear? Uh, you know, the full, um, the, the fullness of what goes into a character when a, a, a reader is sort of engaged in the book. And, and I have to become that familiar with the situation to be able to write a story that has any authenticity to it. So it, that research is generally six months, maybe seven months. And, I, and in that, I then have come up with a, a pretty structured outline. 
I sort of know the ending of the book generally before I begin writing the, the opening paragraph. Um, and then um, the writing itself can be anywhere from, you know, the first drafts tend to be very quick, uh, 45, 60 days. Uh, but I generally do five or six drafts over the course of a year. And each draft gets more detailed um, and, and you sort of add nuance and subtlety along the way as you get further and further, deeper and deeper into the story itself and the characters. And then I give it out to people to read. And of course, what I thought was good <laughs> comes back with three or four pages of comments. And, and uh, my first reaction is, wait a second, I dealt with all that. But the, the hardest thing, but probably the most important thing for me and maybe for other writers as well, is to listen to the criticisms that people have. Because when you're a writer, you're that close to a story, you assume things that a reader doesn't assume. And the reader sees things or sees gaps um, in character and motivation, conflict. Hmm. So it's a very iterative, iterative, even though writing is a lonely process, it's a very iterative process too at times. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, it's a very co collaborative at the end, right? I mean, we, like you said, the first draft, but then all these people come come together to for the final version of the book. And uh, were you a fan of, of, of spy thrillers when you were, before you started to write, when you were uh, uh, in business, were you a fan of the genre? Uh, I was. Uh, I always liked um, Graham Greene, um, John Le Carre, um big favorites of mine. Um, and generally what, what books by those and other authors have is a, a wonderful story that's character driven. And, you know, it's, there are a lot of thrillers that are plot driven, story driven, but Graham Greene and Le Carre, um, Eric Ambler, you know, and others generally deliver character driven stories. And once you're into the character, then you can deal with what I find to be the interesting sides of the story, which is the moral dimensions, the, the difficult choices people have to make um, when you're in the, the, you know, the business of basically secrets and deception and suborning, and in some cases, murder. Um, and the thing about spies is that they live in this sort of liminal space outside of the domestic laws. And, uh, and they, in some ways, are uh, legally sanctioned criminals. You know, the things that they do overseas would be illegal if it was done domestically. But because we're in this adversarial world, you know, and people are trying to hurt us, so we, you know, go to hurt them. So, but, but the, the nature of that work can sort of create a darkness for the characters and they often bring that darkness into themselves. And to me, that's the interesting thing. And it's what Graham Greene always tried to do. He had solitary characters who were seeking some sort of fulfillment and, or challenge. And that character conflict then becomes the, the sort of the turn of the screw in the, in the novel. What are you, I always like to ask for the writing tools. What do you use to to write your books? Is it like Microsoft Word or? I um I write all my drafts except for the very last one with um 
this pen, this pen is written all of my books. <laughs> it's a Mont Blanc, and it goes into a um, a a book. One of these um, moleskin books. Oh yeah. And each novel is about five of these. Wow. I mean, each draft. And it was only at the end, after I've written, you know, five drafts by hand, that I then typed in, you know, the last draft, which is sort of, you know, it's a, it also required, it also, you know, I also do a lot of editing as I'm typing. Mm. So everybody has a different style. That's my style. Yeah. And partly it, I came to it because while I was working in business, I didn't really have, you know, the time, uh, you know, to haul around and a laptop, you know, at the office where I would do my typing. So I would, on my lunch breaks or, you know, while on a plane traveling, I would, um, you know, pull out my moleskin and um, spend a little time writing. And I'm uh, just curious too, with uh, everything that went down in 2020, um, did that pandemic change your writing process or how has that affected your the writing side of your, of your life? Um. Well, my wife and I are very fortunate to live into a, a big loft in Soho, in lower Manhattan. So we didn't have any of the claustrophobia that came with being confined. Um, and it gave me a lot of time to write. So my last book, um, the one that's coming out you know, in 2022, I wrote from you know basically January to June of this year. So I used the time very productively. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. So yeah, and I guess the changes now it would be the on the promotional side now. We're probably doing a lot of video and Zoom, huh? <laughs> like we're doing right now. <laughs> right. It's uh, I miss the in-store readings. Yeah. They you get very close to a you know a group of people, and you can feel the you know the excitement in the room. You can see people listening. Um, but on the other hand, the the Zoom readings now um, like this. Uh, are can can reach a much larger audience, and um, what I've found as a as a reader now that I'm um, overwhelmed with a number of um, Zoom events that I'm being offered daily. Too many. It's sort of like it used to be. You have to figure out which one do I go to. You know, once or twice a week, and now it's like every night there are two or three. And it's like how do you choose which one to do and which not to do. Yeah, yeah, that is crazy. I've seen that too. At first, it's like the excitement. Oh, this is so interesting. But then after a while, it gets a little overwhelming, all the choices out there. <laughs> yeah, and there's some wonderful, there, you know, it's it's wonderful to to um you know to be able to um listen to other authors um talk about their work. This is just, you know, I think uh we're at a rich moment in terms of the production creation of literature. So you're uh, you you said you you're working on the next one that's going to come out in 2022. Uh, what's next for you? Is it do you have how far advanced are you in, uh, in 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 your projects? Well, so that that one is with my agent. He's giving me his final comments, and I'm right now in the midst of outlining um, what will be the book after that, my sixth book. Hmm. Um, I don't know much about it. Uh, I'm fair amount. I know it's going to be set in Beirut. No, oh, yeah. And uh, Beirut is a city I've never been to, sort of the Paris of the Mediterranean. But 
a city that um, suffered terribly through a civil war for 16 years and then an Israeli invasion in 2006. Um, but it's a, a it's a city with deep roots in the Roman Empire, the Ottoman Empire, and it was you know a, a melting pot of religions. Um, so for me, in some ways, writing is a way to travel. Yeah, <laughs> be able to go to a place in time, a historical place in time, and create characters, and to sort of you know, it, as I've said a number of times, um, you you write the types of novels that you like to read. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm, I'm writing a novel now, which is a novel I would like to read. Yeah, I remember that. I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s as, as well. So I remember the Beirut and the kidnappings and all that. And it's just uh, it was surreal what, what happened to that, uh, that country for so many years, that city. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I'll be looking forward to that one. Uh, so... Um, before I let you go, um, for our, our listeners, uh, we have a mix of listeners here who are aspiring writers. Any advice uh, for somebody listening to this uh, who's an aspiring writer? I guess the, the advice I would give is that it um, doesn't matter what age you are, um, you can become a published author at any age. Unlike music or math, um, or painting, um, there are many authors who wrote um, their books at a later age. Um, the only thing that you need to do is you need to do it consistently. You have to have a you know an ambition to want to do it, and and you can't let other things get in the way. Um, when I was, you know, my first book was published when I was sixty five, and when I uh, left my job, you know, one of the things I did to, to sort of give me the confidence that whatever I was going to write was publishable is I kept a list of all the authors who had published, famous authors who had published their first book after the age of 50. Hmm. It's a very long list. Yeah. So I kept looking at that list and I said, well, if they can do it, then why not me? Yeah, I love that. It's, yeah, it's never too late. <laughs> never too late. Absolutely. That's the one thing about storytelling is that we all have an instinct to tell stories. And sometimes, you know, with a little bit of experience and wisdom and you know, that comes with age, you have a better story to tell, mm-hmm. a more, you know, mature and uh, interesting story. And so for listeners who want to find, uh, learn more about your books, find your books, where's the best place that they can find you, a website or anything like that? Yeah, I have a website. It's um, paulvidic.com. Uh, That's P-A-U-L-V-I-D-I-C-H.com. Um, and the books are also on, you know, Amazon or any the the online book retailers. All right, great. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for being on the podcast. Really enjoyed talking to you about your, uh, about your books. Thank you so much, Al. Thank you for listening to this uh, episode of the podcast. Please visit thrillingreads.com forward slash links. You'll have access to all my links uh, right from uh, one page there. You'll be able to rate and review this podcast. You'll get more information about my own books as well as access show notes uh, for this uh, episode. You'll also be able to join my newsletter where you'll receive exclusive access uh, to giveaways, discounts, and great uh, book recommendations from authors in the mystery, thriller, and suspense genre. So go to thrillingreads.com forward slash links. 
to access all that information. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, uh, stay safe out there. Thank you.